protests, we walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Welcome back to the program. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we, we missed you, so I hope you missed us. It's great to be back to work, and happy holidays in order. The holiday season has begun, Kirk. Here we are, ready to roll. And uh, I hope you didn't throw them leftovers away now, Jack. I'm just brother, making I, sure, man. Throw the stuff in. Don't touch them greens, all right? <laughs> all right? Throw them greens away, Jack. Let them go. Got, that stuff got assassinated. <laughs> I beat that stuff down before before the next sun rose. That's how that went. How, how was everything for you and yours? Everything was great, man. Uh, you know, with the family and just being around. Like I think for a lot of people, like this Thanksgiving hit hit a little different, right? I think you're you're um, you know obviously we didn't have the expanded right the extended edition of Thanksgiving. Right. We kept it you know pretty much keep kept it tight. You know, a close knit. Um, you know, just to, just you know, about six people, and it was all this our our, our family who we're uh, with every single day. But you're just more thankful, I think, this year than any other year because of so much that's going around. And like you know, I think when we said grace before the uh, we had our meal, I mean, 2020 has been a lot, <laughs> like a lot. And I'm like, man, we still in November now, we into December, but. To think about what in 11 months, um, just how the world has changed, how we, how life has changed, how we view things have changed, how we communicate now has changed. Like it was a lot. And so it kind of just hit me all at once, right? During, during grace. How about that? <laughs> That's something else, man. And it's so on point. Uh, I'll note that we'll, we'll get into our standard sports and race conversation. Uh, in this edition of Forward Progress, we're, we're fortunate enough to have uh, the chief executor, executive officer of RISE, uh, a nonprofit that works in this space for sports leagues and teams. Uh, Diane Billings Burford will join us. Uh, also, Marcus Lattimore, life coach uh, and motivational speaker, former running back uh, for uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks, as well as uh, the 49ers in the National Football League, going to join us to talk about his work uh, up in the Northwest. But I wanted to touch base with you on this very topic. It's so interesting that that was hitting you as you're at the height of being thankful. Man, isn't it great to just be here, to be in this oh, space? When you think about nearly 300,000 of our fellow citizens uh, just here in the United States that have not been able to make it through beyond this period, particularly because of this virus. We talk obviously about a, a lot of equality and social change on this program. Uh, the election has permeated in this space. What this virus and subsequent disease has done at a serious rate, I don't have the data in front of me, so I don't wanna go off the, the deep end, but uh, people of color have a difficulty getting to at a preponderant rate, appropriate health care. So the mere fact that the pre-existing conditions of which this virus 
uh, unleashes itself upon inside its host, it doesn't surprise me that black and brown folks are, are struggle at a higher level uh, than 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 other folks in our in our in our in our country. Uh, and and I, that's what was permeating in my mind as I was canceling uh, plans to go down to the Keys, canceling dinner at a restaurant, which tends to be our usual MO. We don't want to do dishes around here. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, we, we've what gotten away from, what gotten away from you know, traveling during that time because usually I'm in the beginning stages of an NBA season. Correct. Um, and so that's what hit me with the pause yeah. was that, man, this thing is raging at a higher level than it was back in the spring. Yeah. And I'm not seeing and hearing a whole lot of leadership. And I'm not talking about what's coming from Biden and Harris as they're trying to get their arms wrapped around the, the opening days of their administration in January. I'm talking about these mayors of cities and counties that stood up even across their political lines back in March being really quiet in too many places. I mean, you, you're very fortunate that you you have folks, and I know it's been controversial, but folks that are putting the hammer back down. Right. Um, watching the numbers go up in California and across the nation. We're not having that here in Florida. Um, that's not happening up in my home state of Ohio and, and so many other locations. And it's, it's troubling, it's frightening, uh, and, and in many cases, the highest level of malfeasance uh, in leadership. Yeah, I think... Um this is where leadership is tested. This is when leadership, you look to, we look for guidance, right? Um, I know when, you know, my kids ask me a question and the worst thing as a parent, Jackson, I think you could probably relate to this one as well. What's the worst thing as a parent when your children ask you a question and I don't have the answer? Oh, it, it hurts, man. Cause I'm supposed to have the answers, right? You know, when, when your son asks you, hey, why can't my cousins come over? I'm saying, well, it's because of, in our family, we say it's because of the germs, right? We want to make sure that the germs are staying away. Not that our cousins have germs, but germs are always around. Right. He's like, yeah, but they can wash their hands and they can wear a mask and they can do it. I said, I understand that, but you, you have to understand that right now, in our world, there's a lot of germs going around. And so we need to keep to ourselves for a little bit and then we'll get back to normal. He said, yeah, but I've been saying this since March though. <laughs> We're now in November. And so I think that's where I'm looking as the parent now, looking to like you mentioned leadership and tell me something, tell me something good. And we're a, we're a country too, we, we want to reward. Hey, I'm doing all of this, but where's my reward? And I think we're not seeing that reward yet. Because there are a lot of people who are doing the right thing and being patient, but yet, what's the? Uh, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? That that's what I think a lot of people. Because we thought we were getting close to that light, yeah. and yet we realized that that may have been a, a flashlight that just ran out of battery. Because we still ain't seeing the light yet. <laughs> Listen, we're hopeful. I'm hopeful that uh, the vaccine is that light. Right. Um, I'm hopeful that we are at the latter stages of watching NFL games get pushed back seven days. NFL, I'm hopeful uh, <laughs> college games get yeah. I'm hopeful that the NBA can be safe. We know damn well it's not going to be as safe as Orlando. Correct. But as it opens up here in December, that it's as safe as it possibly can be. 
Um, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that because it's been weighing on my mind. And uh, I, I know we don't get into that space a great deal, but it, it's, it's something that all of these sports teams are, are having to deal with at the highest of levels. And, and, and it has to be frightening to think about uh, these elite athletes and, and how it's going to impact those who have contracted it. Uh, not not tomorrow, but but down the line. Let's take a quick break. Our first guest joins us on the other side. We're going to talk about Rise, a nonprofit organization you may not know about, but when we're done, you will. Uh, their CEO, Diane Billings Burford, next here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. The program continues, and as we turn to our next guest, Kirk, you want to talk about a proper adhesion of organization and radio program. It's with Rise and Forward Progress. Rise is a nonprofit that works uh, right at our intersection, sports and race, a coalition of major pro sports leagues, NASCAR, NCAA, uh, sports media networks, and more. And they're really, really locked into the larger social justice movement. Their CEO joins us now, Diane Billings Burford. And it's so great to have you with us, Diane, not simply because of your organization, but you're also a subscriber. So we're so happy on so <laughs> many levels to have you here on SiriusXM Sports uh, Forward Progress. Uh, yeah, thank you so I, much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And I assume uh, uh, since this spring and summer, your phone's been ringing off the hook. Woo. You know, I tell the team, we uh, Rise is, like you said, is not new, new to this. We were built for this, right? We're five years old. I've been with the organization two years um, but we really, in the past two years, have been strategic, and, and we were waiting for this moment. Um, and even with waiting for it and building for it and preparing for it, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen it since about May or June of this year, just the demand for what we do and understanding this space is just exponentially increased. Now, of course, we're excited about that, but um, not excited about what led to that. Uh, but excited that it has happened and our country is in this space right now. You know, Diane, I, I think a lot of people always say stick to, st stick to sports, leave politics out of it. But I think finally people realize that sports can help create change. And yeah. so once you see that in the influence that all sports have in, in, in impacting on that change, how have you now expressed that message to people and shown them like, hey, see, we told you. Yeah. <laughs> so we do it a couple of ways, Kirk. I think that's a great question. We actually um, one of the things that makes us different than a lot of not for profits is not only do we do the education and the training, but we put up a fairly large activation at places like Super Bowl, NFL Experience, NBA All-Star Game, right? And so generally you see those things from uh, companies, which quite honestly, I'm soliciting sponsorships for. So we're going to hopefully have a great sponsor for our soon. But um, I, I say that to say we, we call that Champions of Change. And our first part of Champions of Change is called the Road to Progress. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we do with that is we educate fans, athletes, coaches to understand not only can there be a connection between athletics, between sports and social justice, but it always has been. We literally go over in an interactive digital way the past hundred years in our country. And you can go back further than that. But when you look at a lot of the key moments in our country, 
sports and athletes and sports institutions have played a role. So it's not only that we can play a role, it's, it's a part of the development of what it is to be the United States. Um, and so we think, you know, as we build out the walk, you know, the, um, the road to progress and we look at 2020, you're just gonna see some more of those seminal moments to highlight, right? You're going to see the Milwaukee Bucks responding to what happened to Jacob Blake, right? You're, you're going to see the sports industry beyond that one team take a break from their day jobs to be like, as a country, we have to address this. Um, so we're gonna see a number of moments, right? A few years ago, a moment was Colin taking a knee. So this is not, it's not only that sports can impact politics and sports can impact social justice, sports does and they always right. have in our country. Diane Billings Burford is the uh, CEO, Chief Executive Officer of RISE, and she is uh, our guest here on Forward Progress. When, when you look at the work that you've been doing and you get down to really what, what I believe is a, a point that we all have to deal with, we, we can uh, have rid ourselves of any of our racist tendencies right. and still have bias. <laughs> every single one of us every right? single one of us and so the fact that you guys deal with that specifically with your leagues and teams what tends to be that aha moment when a coach or a general manager or a team executive realizes this about themselves uh well i'd like to say that it is um so i think it has been my experience especially since this summer uh two instances in particular we work really hard to make our trainings intera interactive. Um, and it'd be really cool one day we may think about it if you all ever wanna engage in it. We do conversations on Zoom. Um, and one of our activities in going through it, um, you see that moment where people realize, oh, like I do have preferences. I do have biases. And they're not really like based on uh, fact and what's best for me, they just exist. Um, and, and then I would also say, I think, um, again, put in 2020 into perspective, I, I have um, an interesting position in that I'm interacting with a lot of privileged white men um, and have definitely experienced this year the Diane, I'm not sure what about George Floyd's killing finally made me realize that I did, I had never seen the same thing the same way. Um, and, and that has led to conversations about bias, right? So these are grown ups, they're not young. So we've seen Rodney King beat on film, right? right? We, we've seen Eric Garner, but we have not necessarily had this same response across the races that we're having at this time. And, and I think that um, something about the, the killing of George Floyd uh, and the sharing of it. And, you know, I call it the perfect storm. It could be all the other things that were going on in our country. But that moment for a number of white men that have spoken to me crystallized this moment of, I think I just didn't see the other ones the same way because of my personal biases. Um, and so I, I have found that actually to be one of the most significant things um, that that event in history has brought about like just this understanding of implicit bias. 
No, Diane, we've highlighted the um, the George Floyd uh, murder on this program a ton, and I've kind of referred to it as the awakening. That's what I call it. It's uh, the Memorial Day weekend awakening because of when it happened. And you mentioned where our country was at. It was a it was a time in which we're all going through a pandemic, right? Stay at home orders. Things just were not the same. And it was something that you couldn't turn the channel. Nope. It was on every channel. Yeah. And so obviously a lot of people were upset and, you know, we saw protests. We saw different movements. We've seen, um, you know, a lot of people be outspoken about it. That, that being said, my question for you is that, you know, now that we've kind of got the attention of many folks, you guys have now started to capture that digital learning space now because not everybody can go out and protest. You know, everybody's trying to get back to their normal lives, but you still want to, you know, increase the movement. You still want to push on. So how have you guys captured that digital learning space to continue to get people involved? So we've partnered, um, and this goes back to the, one of my first comments about planning. We were planning our digital growth. And okay. so thank goodness, right? Because it made us prepared for COVID when all of our in-person things had to shut down. Thank goodness we were already planning to go virtual and to go digital, um, at least to some degree, not to the degree that we had to uh, this year. Um, and one of the things that has helped us is we do a ton in the collegiate space. Uh, we just entered into an agreement with the Big East this year, America East. Um, and I think over the past six months, we've had over 48 events with different college athletic programs. Um, and being in that space has pushed us and helped us to create digital assets um, that really, you know, we have one that covers racism. And that even though that sounds big and about, it seems now our data is saying it takes folks about 20, 30 minutes to get through it. But introducing these topics of, what, what do we mean when we say racism? Right. What's the difference between individual racism and systemic racism? What does it mean to be anti-racist? You know, one of the things RISE is trying to do in this moment, I love the protest. I'm never one to say stop protesting. I also believe though, we've got a protest and we gotta educate ourselves. We, if, if we want behaviors later to look different, then our thoughts and our attitudes have to begin to change. Um, and so that's the business that rises in. And so we we offer digital courses. We usually follow that up with virtual or in-person um, engagements. Um, and, and we found it, especially in the collegiate space, it has been great. In the professional space, folks are starting to take advantage of it. But we find in the professional space that even, um, even though we've had to move to Zoom, folks appreciate the kind of Zoom and virtual um, interaction a little bit better there. Um, and it's just so funny, I just had this great conversation. Everything now not only has to work digitally, but it also must also work on the phone, uh, right? Like yeah. the, we really mean mobile, like not you <laughs> pull it up on your computer. You must be able to pull this thing up and do it on your phone. Right. Yeah. RiseToWin.org for more information. Rise's CEO is with us, Diane Billings Burford. And one of the many elements of your work um, just came to fruition and in many places still being handled, particularly in the great state of Georgia. Uh, that would be voter education. And so I assume you are extremely proud with the work that you all have been doing for the last three years, but particularly uh, over the last few months. I imagine you all have been intense and focused Ooh. in this space. 
inundated. I tell people I had uh, about 12 hour days. One day we had um, a, an event uh, at 10 a.m. that I was on and an event at 10 p.m. Because, we, you know, this was a wow. truly, truly a national effort. And so in the morning, I forget which uh, which uh, professional club we were working with NFL Bolts and we were one of three providers of voter and registration education for them. And so in the morning, I think it, I, I want to say the Giants, but I always want to say the Giants because that's my team. So it might not have been that. <laughs> um, but the uh, one of the most amazing first place teams in the league. Can you believe it? Can you believe we're at top of the NFC East? I'm just going to leave that right there. I mean, wow. Um, so, um, but the uh, but in the evening, right? Uh, Ronnie Lott was awesome, and he joined us with USC's football program to have a voter education and registration conversation. So you're right. I forget how many. I think we got over 90 events that we did in that space. Um, I was really impressed, especially in the collegiate space. The conversations were so powerful. This Generation Z is not interested in you telling them to vote. They are interested in talking about why would we vote? What is the point? Right. What are we getting at? What does success look like? And so we that's why we frame it voter education and not simply about registration. It's deeper than that. Um, and it's more complex than that. Um, and, and then uh, in the professional space, I really think, you know, we not only seek to educate, but we seek to empower the professional athlete. And so I was super proud. Not only were we having, for instance, with NFL votes, conversations with the teams and the coaches and the front offices, but then some of them took that and said, you know what, we need to use our platform and do something externally. You know, I still remember the, the Lions, this is a great thing to happen for them this season and they need great things this season. Um, they, um, but the Lions did a community event that, you know, by the time it was live streamed on Facebook, you have over 100,000 views. Um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were amazing. They actually turned Arrowhead Stadium into a voting site. And that was that took a significant um, investment for them. The state actually basically required them to get all new voting machines to do it. And they did it. Um, you had someone making PSAs and within a week of uh, PSA dropping or even a couple of days, we get 400 views and 30 people registered in 39 different states. And so, uh, yeah, it was hectic. It was unbelievable. It was nonstop, but the impact was tangible and amazing. You know, Diane, I've uh, <clears throat> seen the, uh, the the quote or is this the statement of power being used for good. How, how was the power being used for good? Yeah, so many ways, right? I, I would itemize those ones I just um, shared. But again, and I don't want to make this all NFL, you know, I, Back to that need for um, collegiate athletes to understand the why. Um, I was super impressed with uh, Trey, Trey Flowers. Yes. Um, who talked about his family and their connection to voter suppression. I believe he's from Alabama. And what they have done for generations and how they were even impacted from the Freedom Rides. And so is in this moment, like Trey took his, it's a form of power, right? Like, not only the position he holds, but the story he has and to use it at the right time in the right way um, to help illuminate why folks should vote or why it, it meant so much decades ago and how that's tied to right now. 
Um, and, you know, listen, I'm going to say this. I think we focus a lot on the athlete and we should. Um, but the truth is, I we have been pushing and I was proud to say that we have a lot of front offices that have an amazing, almost obscene sometimes, amount of power. Um, and it was great to see them step up. When I talk about Arrowhead, I forget how many stadiums um, were opened up, but the Spectrum Center in, in, in North Carolina opened for the entirety of early voting in North Carolina. Um, we literally have, well, obviously everyone knows about the increase um, in voter participation, but we need to be clear that in 2016, we were able to literally see from uh, district to district, when you had poor people and sometimes people of color, there was a longer time just waiting to vote. There was a possibility that you couldn't vote. And so it was good to see um, these front offices, these teams step up and say, we have, we have a way to be a solution, to use our power for a very real problem. And so I, I definitely, I love that quote. And I, and I think it's important to, you know, to highlight that we have power at different levels really getting at this work. Dan, we so appreciate being on this bridge with you between sports and race. We're here each week as you are there each day and have been for the last half decade. Congratulations on that run and so much more. If you need more information, and matter of fact, you do need more information. So just go to risetowin.org. Uh, the CEO of Rise is Diane Billings Burford. And it's been so nice to have you with us here. You're on the callback list, by the way. We're going to be all over you. We're coming oh, back yeah. to get you. All right. Let's do it. Take Purnell's calls. All right. Tell Jared to get, 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 get you in the mix. Uh, when we need you next, without a doubt. We'll take a quick break when we come back. Marcus Lattimore joins us. You remember him as the uh, running back from South Carolina, now a life coach and motivational speaker. He's going to get our engine going here on uh, Forward Progress in just a moment. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. We do move forward here on Forward Progress. It's Kirk Morrison. It's Jason Jackson. We're happy to have with us now uh, the pride of South Carolina. That's right. He used to take that rock and run it all over the place for Marcus Lattimore, now a life coach and motivational speaker. And, and Marcus, first of all, thanks for being with us. Secondly, let, let's talk about... Uh, this this aspect of impacting lives. Uh, there are a lot of people who maybe hang that placard out of being able to get our lives right and, and getting our uh, movement into the right space. But what is it about what you do and how you go about it that you think is unique? Yeah. Well, thank you both for having me. I, I just love the concept of the show, and I appreciate what y'all what you guys are doing for humanity, moving the needle forward. But I, I guess this role kind of happened organically just over the course of my life and the experiences that I've been through, uh, it, it's kind of led me to this moment. Uh, faced a lot of adversity uh, in college uh, and, and that kind of shaped who I am today. But learning about, just just learning about the human mind, uh, psych I, I'm, I'm in love with psychology, sociology, and how that affects the brain. Uh, that knowledge has helped me grow so much. And I guess uh, my life coach position is more of helping the young man navigate through challenges that life presents. Uh, because uh, as we all know on this call, life is just full of ups and downs. It's full of suffering. Uh, and, you know, the only thing we have control of is how we respond to those things. But 
I feel that if you have some life skills, if you have some social skills, if you have some things in your toolkit, mm -hmm. uh, you're able to maneuver through life a little bit more uh, smoother uh, than the average person who doesn't have those adulting skills. And I mean, I think that's really what we're trying to teach at Lewis and Clark is uh, pro provide them with the tools that they'll need uh, once they get out of school, uh, because, you know, life is so hectic right now. And it's um, it's, it's chaotic, especially for a, a student athlete uh, who, who's dealing with the pandemic, uh, trying to balance his academics uh, through a screen. Uh, I couldn't even imagine going through school that way but also trying to be the best teammate and best fo football or best athlete that you can be for your, uh, for your squad. So, um, you know, hopefully we're, and I feel like this time has been crucial for my position because we don't have games at the D three level, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, they haven't been playing football. So we've been diving a lot into our growth mindset and it's been fun. Uh, and, and I've enjoyed it. You know, you mentioned life has just been uh, it's been crazy ups and downs. And I know you've been through a lot of adversity in, in your life. And so I would say when you when now being a life coach, uh, a mentor, a guy who's talked about things that have happened in your life, um, does that being a life coach, did you seek that or did it seek you? Mm. Yeah, that's it's something that fell into my lap, really. Mm -hmm. uh, so it sought you. Okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, 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 it definitely sought me. It pulled at me. You know, I think we're all on this earth trying to find uh, that thing that fulfills us. You know, we, we may take uh, alternate routes at time to find those things. And, and another, another part of life I'm just so fascinated in is the transition after you leave sports uh, because you work on your craft for X amount of years. And really that consumes you. Uh, that's, that's who you become. And I, and I face that identity crisis of trying to find that next step, uh, not knowing I didn't, uh, if I'm being frank, I didn't take literacy serious at all. Uh, academics was just something I had to do to be on the field. Right. Uh, and that's completely, that's just how I looked at it. And, you know, growing up in a small town, and in South Carolina, where where football is everything, football is religion. Uh, you 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 can get away with a lot of uh, things. You can get away with not going to class. You can if if you if you're performing at a high level. And you know, we, my peers, we recognized the power that we had at that very young age, and, and we kind of took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. However, we were we were respectful. We were mannerable. We knew, you know when people in authority came around, we knew how to act, right. but we just didn't take school seriously at all. And I think that sets a lot of kids back, especially in the South where football is so important. Um, so I struggled with that identity crisis and I went through this transitory gauntlet is what I call it mm. uh, because it's just so rough trying to find that thing. But, you know, I found it and, and uh, it's it's given me purpose. It gives me life. It, it gives me a reason to wake up. And another part of what I love to do is, you know, help guys find that next act, that next thing. 
Um, so yeah, it kind of Kirk, it, it kind of fell into my lap. It found me. Marcus Lattimore now a life coach at Lewis and Clark College. Uh, ran the pigskin for uh, South Carolina, and I want to go directly to your home state for my next question. Uh, I hear coaches when. Uh, they're they're trying to compliment a young player, particularly a rookie. Say that that kid doesn't know what they don't know. Mm. But when that then translates into real life with this disconnection that a lot of people don't know about, there's a lot of people, particularly uh, in the space where you're focused, uh, that don't know because they truly don't know. They're disconnected yeah. to the access. Talk to us about how you're trying to fight. Uh, this this internet access gap that is not just in your home state, but it's all over America. Oh man, that's that's such an important question, and because it, it kind of shapes those young people, their system of reality. Mm-hmm. And I say and I say young people, uh, the 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 generation before me, well, the generation that came after me, I, I guess they call them Gen X. Uh, and that's the that's the population that I deal with. Uh, those kids that are 17 to 22 years old uh, who have grown up in an age where they don't know anything else but having a phone. Uh, they, they don't know a life without it. And that kind of shapes how they look at everything. Um, shapes how they look at work ethic. Uh, and you know, it, it's a it's a hard battle to fight, and you know I, what I've realized. I've just tried to be as I think only only things only systemic change can happen when you speak to them trans with just straight transparently, mm-hmm. and 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 it and it can it plants a seed in their head about the things that are actually important in life. And that's what I'm trying to get them to think about. I, I just, I want them to think about what matters. Think about what's important. Think about, um, think about those existential things like that, that, that shape who you are as a person. I, I think that's more important than, than um, trying to fight the, the digital age, and, but because it's something that it's just a part of their life and they, and, and they have to deal with it. But, um, it, it has, it's, it's, I think it's, it's given me a resource, uh, to be able to use, like use this, use technology to be able to reach them in certain ways. But, um, I, you know, I go into, I go into my job realizing that I can't save everybody and I can't go in it to go into it with that type of approach. Uh, but I can be transparent. I can share my experiences. Uh, and, and I can give it, give them what I know uh, authentically, uh, because and, and you know, hopefully, you know, they adhere to some of the things that that we're trying to preach. But um, I, I guess coaches always want the buy-in. You know, they they want the team, everybody, to be on the same page. And I feel like the the first the first thing you have to set in place for those kids that you're trying to service uh, is just the fact that, you know, you're human and we get that you're human. Um, you're, you're, you're going to make mistakes. You're, you're going to fail. And if they know that ahead of time, uh, I feel like that trust factor of 
uh, I guess believing in what our, us as coaches are trying to say, it, it goes a bit more smoothly. But it, it's a it's a battle that never stops. Uh, trying to uh, get through uh, while also having uh, uh, an outside variable like the phone or, or social media uh, distract them as much as they can because it, it's it can become a distraction at times. You know, Marcus, in 2013, you were drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you retired in 2014. But people remember there was a young quarterback on that team. He wasn't really the star just yet, but he was drafted there by the name of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I know you probably had interactions with him in your short time in San Francisco, but when you look at Colin Kaepernick now, when you hear that name now, would you have ever expected Colin to be what he has been now, not only to the community, the movement, but just seeing a young Colin Kaepernick who was kind of a, still an infant when you were drafted right. in San Francisco, but now being this global icon now um, for the face of equality, for the, the face of police brutality, the face of a guy who had so much and sort of like you mentioned, had that awakening. Yeah. Wow. Um, Colin was a guy that was very reserved when I was on the team. Uh, he was quiet. Uh, every time I would come into the facility, uh, he would be the first person there on the field running sprints. Uh, one of the hardest workers that I've ever been around. Um, but I remember one in one specific team meeting, he stood up and he and we were talking about some things not pertaining to social justice, but we were talking about a topic uh, specifically related to how the NFL and the NFLPA clash at times uh, with issues. Mm -hmm. And just hearing him talk, it was really the first time I actually heard him uh, speak his mind. And, and just hearing how intellectual and uh, just in, it, just insightful he was on those topics. I, I, I'm not surprised now uh, when I see what he's doing it, doing for the world and, and doing for those who are marginalized in society. Um, he's a smart dude. He's thoughtful. Uh, he's passionate about what he believes and he knows what he's talking about. Uh, I, but but to see everything after and what he's done and the foundation he started and um, the people that, you know, quite frankly, he's just affected and the sacrifices that he's made. Uh, I, I'm just I admire that guy. Uh, I, uh, he's a he's a role model. He, he's. He's somebody we all should aspire to to um to to be like in some capacity when it comes to you know your, your purpose really on this earth. Uh, I think he he he's found that and uh, he's not letting go of it. Uh, so and I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm just so happy that he's the person leading the charge because I mean with all the backlash and ridicules that he's faced. Uh, from multiple people uh, and, and around the world, uh, he still stands strong on his values. Right. Uh, he stands fierce against hatred. And I think that's just, I think it's beautiful. Marcus Lattimore with us here on Forward Progress with Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. Marcus, you brought up such a wonderful aspect of getting the message across 
uh, to this Generation Z. I'm the father of two Zers. Uh, so I know full well the testimony is important in these conversations. Have you been able to, to transfer what probably was one of the more harrowing situations of your life into some of the teaching and coaching you're doing as you and your wife uh, in traveling in Nebraska, uh, a part of a life episode that, that Jordan Peele might come over to you and say, I want to write that up as a, as a thriller uh, with the way that life can flip in an instant. I'm telling you, wow. You know, that, that time, time stops in those situations. You know, we were having a great time. You don't want to do our cross country road trip uh, across America. And, you know, we, we enter into Nebraska and going four miles over the speed limit. And, you know, so I was speeding, you know, he had a justifiable reason to stop me, I guess. Although a lot of people don't get stopped for going four miles over the speed limit. Uh, we were in a very nice car uh, and, and our skin is a little bit darker. And I know on that highway in specific, you know, you look at the, you know, the stats of Nebraska, there's really not a lot of African-Americans, you know, that ride through those those small counties uh, where, where it's just farmland and, 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 you know, people living simple lives. But, um, you know, to try to describe that, I mean, it's, it's the same it's the same uh, story that we see all the time. It's scary. It's frightening. Uh, in an instant, you you because you really don't know what what's happening. Uh, your, your your body freezes up. Uh, you don't know what to say. Um, just try to stay as calm as possible in those situations, uh, and especially you know with you know police have been trained to um, get an answer out of you. Uh, they're, they're trained to do that, and they're trained to coerce you into saying something that you don't believe. And, and and that's the pressure that I felt. And I felt that coming, um, you know, so I just tried to stay as calm as possible and, you know, wait on them to bring the K-9 unit uh, because supposedly I had, you know, a couple of pounds of meth and cocaine and heroin in my trunk. Uh, so, you know, and, and that was something that was just, that, came, that popped out of thin air. I, I don't know where that, uh, I don't know where that accusation that, ever came from and we actually never got an answer for it uh but in the back of my mind i just went into fight or flight and so did my wife and you know we just stayed tried to stay calm as possible um and you know although you're frightened and you're terrified because you don't know what's about to happen um you know you just do the best you can and i've been able to share that experience with the guys at lewis and clark um, and um, I guess it opened a lot of eyes, uh, particularly with our coaches uh, and some of our players who, who have not, you know, been in those situations. But, you know, it didn't start when I was 27. It started when I was 15 years old in small town, South Carolina, you know, and, and I knew in that situation, uh, those cops don't know who I am. Uh, I think that's that's what saved me a lot in South Carolina. Uh, people knew my name, you know, once they saw my driver's license, but I was in Nebraska uh, by myself. Uh, and, and, you know, that fear kicks in. And I realized at that moment, uh, my experience, you know, ever since I've uh, 
gained a little bit of notoriety in the world, you know, living in South Carolina, my experience as a collegiate student athlete and, and being an adult living in South Carolina is completely different from a, uh, a, a, a black man uh, who doesn't have who doesn't who didn't run the football for the University of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, so I knew I knew at that moment that there's uh, there's some things I need to educate myself on uh, because I, I didn't experience that a lot. Um, I experienced it once when I was 15, uh, once when I was 21. And, and then uh, at the age of 27 uh, in Nebraska. But those are scary instances and things that I don't think anybody should experience. So, you know, uh, last one for me, Marcus. Um, when you think back to everything, right, you mentioned the storied uh, college career, had a chance to play in the National Football League, and then what you've done now in your post-career, uh, being a life coach and where you're at now at Lewis and Clark, if you can go back to 18-year-old Marcus Lattimore and if you had the opportunity to either change something or give some advice to the young 18-year-old Marcus Lattimore, what would that be? Wow. Um, uh, that, that's, such a, that's such a good question. And, um, you know, I, at that age, I was just so unaware Right. Immature, naive. Uh, I was just playing football uh, and, and, you know, just trying to take care of my academics, uh, just doing what I was supposed to do. I had a blueprint, uh, but I was completely unaware of what was going on uh, in society. I, I would just tell that kid to read more, mm -hmm. uh, be informed, become more self-aware in some way. I think those things are just the, the, the most important things that you can have is just be armed with 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 insight and knowledge about what's going on in the world um, and have literacy skills. Uh, it, it just you 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 look at life completely different when you when you have those skills in your life and um, I would have told them to take those things seriously but uh, I you know with what what's happened in my life, I'm glad that it happened this way uh, because I, I, I've been able to teach and, and help more kids simply because of the the experiences that I've had, some good and some bad. And, you know, I, I can't exclude the, the, the negative parts of my life because those have those have been more uh, valuable than anything. So thank you for that question. Marcus, thank you for your time and your work and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Have Marcus a good one. Will do. Life coach, motivational speaker, former South Carolina running back with us. We thank him for his time. Uh, we thank Diane Billings Burford, the CEO of Rise, for joining us uh, this week as well. Kirk, it's always a pleasure, sir. We'll do it again next week. <laughs> always a pleasure, my man. Great to be with you, Jackson. My man, for Pernell Brown, our producer, and Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.